Hi, everybody. My name is Tony Ann Marcolini. Welcome to the podcast, It May Interest You to Know. I have a very special guest today, the founder and CEO of Blank Records, Adam Blank. Welcome, Adam. Hello. Thanks for having me, Tony. Hello, everyone <laughs> in internet and podcast world. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to have this interview. I mean, right now, I know your focus is your record company is building blank records, and you have some amazing artists uh, that that are established artists that you're working with right now. Uh, but I'm before we get into all of that, since I try to focus on creativity on the podcast, I'm going to take you right to that and say, what does the creative process look like for you, right? And I've talked to different people who. Um, who've given me totally different answers. I get an idea uh, from, you know, I'm in the shower, I'm singing a song, it just pops up, uh, or I need to sit uh, behind the computer and that's the only place I get ideas. I'm sitting, I'm thinking. Now your, your kind of creativity is a little bit different, right? But working with artists to make the, the most of their appearance uh, or their music has to involve a bit of creativity on your behalf. I think certainly in selecting the artists that you want to work with, um, that's all about the creative process, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, it's a really good question. No one's asked me that in that way. Um, but you know, the, the cool thing about this, I have been producing records for about 15 years. Okay. With blank records. Um, but as a, producer, uh, executive producer in particular, I really felt like I was kind of just paying for an experience. It really wasn't mine, so to speak. Um, I always understand that when you're producing music, it is the artist and always give them the latitude to be themselves. I think that's why artists like working with me. I don't try to mold them anyway. I want to see what they have. That's what it's about. And then my job is to share it with the world, right? But with Live with the Print Shop, it's a little bit different because I, you know, it, it is a brainchild of, of, of Adam Blank. It, it came out of my, my head um, to, to do this show. And um, that is very fulfilling. Um, the way that it all started, I think we should kind of start there if it's okay with you. And it'll kind I'd of love like, to. I always love to hear origins. Reverse engineer this thing, a side door approach, so to speak. Um, but the way this started, I, I'm actually in the, the print shop right now. Uh, the print shop is actually uh, at my house. It's it's my guest house that was never really used in the past. Um, and I was doing a, a merch deal with a comp, uh, with a band that was on my uh, my label, uh, a band called Rehab. And um, part of my uh, deal with them is I was going to take their merch and I was going to do it in house in order to recoup my investment uh, with this band. Anyway without boring you with all the details, the deal fell through at the 11th hour. Meanwhile, I'd bought all these machines, embroidery machines, direct, direct to garment printing machines, all these machines to uh, create merch. And um, I decorated the room like with this kind of 70s retro vibe. I kind of really like decorating things. And I, um, I really like the mid-city modern all the way up to you know the 70s early 80s stuff i'm just i love that so i decorated this place with that in mind once the deal fell through i'm like what am i gonna do with all this stuff now <laughs> and immediately i just said i'm gonna shoot a show called live at the print shop 
I just think that this place needs to have content shot in here. And um, I called a good friend of mine up who's a, a wonderful artist named Angie Apero. And um, I said, here's my idea. Would you mind coming over and, and shooting a pilot with me? And uh, I gathered the best people that I, that I knew in Atlanta from video and an audio perspective. And we assembled a team. And uh, we, we shot it initially in this room. This room is now where I do all my interviews. Um, and I have a state-of-the-art facility in, in, in my house, in my basement. Um, and that's where the inner, uh, that's where the performance starts. But initially I didn't interview people. I just created really good content. And I said, if I'm going to build a brand, um, you know, just performance content, if I'm going to build a brand, I think I should probably talk to these people, but uh, I didn't want to be in front of the camera to start with. I wanted it to be all about the artist, not, not the Adam show. That's never really been my thing. Um, but at any rate, that's sort of in a nutshell how it all happened. So there was really, there was no plan of me sitting down saying, this is what I want to do. do. This is how it's going to happen. It really just happened. And I did one, it felt great. I did another one and it's just perpetuated this really cool energy. Oh, and it's monstrously successful. Yeah. Thank so you it's, very much. it's doing really well. Yeah. I've seen many of the episodes. You do a beautiful job with it. Thank you. Thank you. We're really proud of it. And, um, you know, it just feels really good to, to create something that is, is quality from audio and a video perspective and get some heartfelt interviews and, and things that are going to be meaningful and last forever. That's the most gratifying piece. So does it come spon more spontaneous for you? Like then, are you, are you more someone who creates on the spot? You know, you're there, you're filming, uh, yes. and the ideas are just flowing to you. You're not, uh, you're not, I thought about it for a week. I marinated it in my brain. And just suddenly, you know, you're, you're more about I'm on the spot and I know I, I feel the energy and I know what needs yes. to be done. I, that's how I create. hundred percent. That's, that's how I operate. And, um, even on the interview, like I was a little nervous about interviewing people, uh, although I think I communicate well. Um, I, I felt, that, you know, I don't really know how to interview people. So I just, I speak to people, whatever's on my mind, we just sit down and chat and we see where it takes us. Right. And I think that's the beauty of the show. Some of the biggest compliments I've gotten are people say, I felt like I was there, you know, we're just conversing that way. It's not necessarily, uh, it's, it's more of a conversational thing, sort of like what you do. I, I kind of dig your style. It's very similar to mine. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna. I was an attorney by trade, you know, for most of my career. So for me, questioning people, I question witnesses in a courtroom all the time. Right. So questioning people feels more natural for me than I think it does uh, for someone, especially who has more of a business background. I think, whereas what mm -hmm. you've come from, you know, you you truly have been more technical and business minded in your career. So I think that it must have been even harder for you to just start off questioning people. It, it did, you know. I, I am a, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I have been my lot my, my whole life. Um, you know, I'm, I have a recycling company is my main gig. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but I have a, a recycling company that, that I've had for about 26 years that recycles scrap metal and and plastics and things of that nature. So this is really fun for me because this is me revisiting art on on different terms. You know, I've I've worked really hard. Um, 
because in 1995, when I moved to Atlanta, I, I was chasing an acting career. I was a theater actor here in Atlanta for, for a number of years, had an agent. You know, I wanted to be a movie star. I, I did. And uh, so you've always and, been attracted to the arts. I, I've always been attracted to the arts. Yes. And, and so this is, you know, things just didn't work out there. My dad got super sick and, and, and uh, I, I had to start working in order to help participate um, and stuff like that. So I, I literally went from from the stage to to uh, a recycling center that I started working for and fast forward 25 years later ended up buying it out you know uh, and, and building a business along the way so this is really refreshing because um from a maturity perspective <laughs> I don't think I got past 1995 honestly <laughs> that was my sweet spot being other people and, and enjoying life that way so this feels really good um not only that but it feels really good for me to support artists and people that are like-minded for me and me to do something really nice for them and that's the one of the biggest parts of this show is music drives me it's it's a it's a it's a it's a force um it, it's i can quantify it with palpable energy i really can it's it's there that's what music means to me it's not just a song i um my my timelines are, are related to music i relate time with music it's it's um how it is with me but when the artist comes here i have this ability and this opportunity to treat them the way that i feel like they should be treated it's my opportunity to say thank you and to create everlasting content and, and tell them how i feel about them. now who picks the music that, that that they perform um they they pick the music um i again um you know there's there's some people that come in here that have hit songs number one songs that come that, that's and, what and i was course, thinking like I'm i would probably... towards hey i hope they're gonna play this but very rarely i, I have requested a song a couple of times with daryl scott when daryl scott was here um he was sitting right here and um we were almost done we were done we wrapped the interview and i said man do you think you could play it's a great day to be alive you know and um I said that song is very special. I think I actually used my daughter. <laughs> I was using everything I could. I was like, my daughter and I love that song, and and she does. I, I think I love it a little bit more, but it just came out that way. And he certainly obliged. But it's something that I'm not really comfortable requesting songs, but I did with Daryl, and and he certainly um, he came through for me. That's for sure. That's what I was thinking in my head. I said I think I'd have a hard time, uh, you know. It knowing like i had favorite songs of the people i mean yeah. i'm sure the artists that come to you uh when you engage with are people that you probably enjoy their music uh and so i'm thinking i i would totally have a hard time not you know kind of pushing a little bit for my favorite songs it, it, it's difficult sometimes uh but I, I really want it to be as natural and as organic as it can be. And so whatever the artist is feeling, I want them to do what they're feeling because I'm certainly doing what I'm feeling, you know, um, and, and, and that's it. But, you know, the way that we select these artists um, now at this point, we actually get calls to do the show, which blows my mind. Whereas before we were kind of reaching out and, and, and some people that, um, you know, once you have bigger bands, it sort of solidifies the show. Uh, a little bit and, and um, people are tune in a little bit more, you know, and then they're yeah. like, okay, this is a legit show. I, I'd like to do this. And but the content speaks for itself. I think it's, we, we always try to improve 
um but i think it's it's been pretty solid out of the gate but we're uh, we're doing some new things now we added a video wall um to my studio and and uh it, it looks great live it really does but there's some challenges i'm finding out when editing um with with um you know sometimes when you're trying to get the skin tones perfectly and stuff like that the video wall is kind of blown out so we're, we're facing a little some challenges with that right now so sometimes uh less is more you know that's true that's true so i'm actually backing away from the video wall now i shot a few episodes with it so i was gonna i was thinking to myself when you were saying that how much hands-on involvement do you have in the whole process, right? Because it's not just selecting who's going to be on the show, uh, you know, preparing in advance for the show, oh, filming yeah. the show, having the show edited. There's so, so many hands and collaboratively, I think, getting sure. to the end of the final product. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you oversee everything do you have a hand in everything or it's like oh no at this point i i you know i i hand it off and, and i'm done well I, I do have my hand in, in every aspect of it and and so does my family i mean this is a family affair um when uh, in preparing for this because it takes a, a a huge amount of preparation to have you know tour buses show up in your cul-de-sac and, and full bands come in here and plug in into the basement. So we, we experience stuff like that. So there's a tremendous amount of, of prep. So my wife, uh, my three kids, that they're involved. It's, it's an affair. And then we have 10 people that are on our staff. Um, and I am running a camera during the shoots. So anything on the, um, you know, normally on the, on the, I guess, stage, stage left, um, is is a camera run by by yours truly and it's normally the shots that are out of focus so <laughs> watch the show and you see the stuff on stage left if it's a little out of focus i'm in charge of that but um i've learned a tremendous amount i um i, I build the show once it's done um because we go you know we start with a performance piece then it goes into the interview after a song back into a performance and it goes back and forth and we try to have really good segues and meaningful conversation that kind of lead into the next song um so there that's really the only sort of roadmap that i have so i mean let's talk a little bit about i mean you're working with um uh the mavericks i believe right and collective oh, yeah. soul yeah uh, right these are some these are some major acts what's that like oh it, it's incredible um um, the collective soul, I'll speak about that one first, because that was kind of a pivotal point in, in my life, actually. Um, Ed Roland, the lead singer of collective soul came over as a solo artist and we'd done six or seven episodes, something like that. But he was by far the biggest star that had been here. I, I'm in the Atlanta area and, and Ed lives here in Atlanta. So I'll never forget. I was actually sitting right here and Ed was right there and the, one of the first things I said to him was, uh, hey, man, this is this is a huge deal for me, right? Um, having you here, you're by far the biggest star that's that's ever come here. And and thank you for coming. This is a huge deal. And his reply to me was, oh, that's that's really cool because this means absolutely nothing to me. <laughs> sort of like, you know, two guys just joking back and forth. That's my type of humor. So immediately I was like, okay, I like this guy. Well, 
Ed and I have become the best of friends. We literally are, are like brothers. And and you just, I, I never in a million years could have imagined something like that. And Ed, is, he, he's a fan of my show. I mean, he, he loves what I'm doing. Not only is he supportive, he really, he, he digs it. He does. And so he's opened a lot of doors for me and um, he's been very supportive. Um, and, and I do the same for him, you know, his, uh, his kids actually, or his youngest son works at my recycling company. He's only 13 years old, but I work with him on Saturday. And as I do with a lot of kids and, and try to teach them, um, what recycling is all about and, and show them what hard work's about. And, uh, I'll tell you a really cool thing. Ed reciprocates and, uh, I have a son, his name is Steele and Steele has been playing guitar for about six, eight months. Okay. And he's learned a couple songs. He really likes it. I recently sent Ed, um, a song of steel. Uh, he completed, uh, knocking on heaven's door. Right. And I sent it to Ed on a text and he called me up and he said, I'm just so proud of steel. Since you take my son to work, I'm going to take steel to work with me. And so September 10th, collective soul and, um, switchfoot are coming to Atlanta, um, to a place called Chastain Park Amphitheater. There'll probably be around seven, 8,000 people there. And he's going to have my son Steel play his first gig. And he's going to play December, a number one hit with <laughs> Collective Soul on stage. <laughs> so what a story that is. It's, we're very excited about it. Um, it's, it's just pretty unbelievable that he's just a kind, warm-hearted, great guy. And um, he's just got a cooler job than I do. So well, that's going to be a dream. Wow. What a dream come true for your son, right? He you imagine that's your first gig ever in front of 8,000 people playing a number one hit. As a matter of fact, he went to his uh, guitar teacher a couple days ago when we dropped him off and I kind of hung out and I said, Steele, you need to tell your guitar teacher you need some help learning the song December. And so he told his guitar teacher, he said, hey, I have a gig coming up. Um, and I need to learn this collective soul song, um, December. And he said, Oh, that's nice. You know, school's starting back. Are you playing at your school or with your friend? What, you know, what are you doing? He said, no, I'm playing at Chastain Park Amphitheater with collective soul. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> he was just floored. I mean, it's a great story. I mean, you can tell I'm excited about it. I just can't wait to see this happen. You know, it's a special. Oh, as you should be probably that's one of the greatest gifts uh, of, of your job or of what's you know occurred in your this sort of renaissance right of your of your life transitioning from almost exclusively businessman into back into the arts uh, mm -hmm. is to be able to give that that kind of opportunity to your to your son what, oh. an, what an amazing experience really really and you know these are the uh these are the intangibles that happen when doing a project like this right um this is not about chasing money at all um you know if you get into the music business to make money it's it's a it's an arduous task breaking a new artist is, is very difficult uh, to do and I, I tried that for for many years is to because i'm an underdog guy right i'm a self-made guy i came from nothing and, and i've worked really hard and so now i get to um you know really give back through the arts and that's very important to me. Um, people have, uh, you know, all kinds of ways of giving back. And, and that's one of my favorite things to do is to give back. And to be able to, to do nice things through this, this project is really good. You know, we, we work with quite a few charities. That's part of my show. 
is that we hit a golf shot at the end. If you uh, if you watch live at the print shop, make sure you watch uh, when the credits start rolling. That's when all the B-roll and the shenanigans happen. It's one of my favorite parts of the show to put together, honestly, because it kind of shows the fun of the day, you know, that we were having behind the scenes. But at any rate, we, we hit a golf shot and we give a couple thousand dollars to a charity of the artist's choice um, if they hit the green. Now we 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 keep rolling until everyone wins. Um, that's a little secret. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> They're not all great golfers, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're, we're checking out all the boxes, you know? And so we've gotten to work with some really great charities and, and donate some money, um, through that. So typically the artist is always selecting the charities. So you don't know in advance. Do you ever pick? Um, no, I, I let the artist pick. I do. I mean, we've worked with like suicide prevention, PTSD, um, homelessness. I mean, you name it. We, we've done quite a bit of it. But I think it's important for me to to let the artist pick, you know, because I want to know it really opens up conversation when they when they pick. And I'm like, why is that near and dear to you? And, and, and what does that mean? It kind of, you know, it, it gives you a peek behind the curtain. Uh, as to because a lot of times it's very personal as to why they're you know promoting and, and trying to help certain charities sure. so I always let them pick well that, you know that in and of itself uh you know is an amazing thing to do and to have incorporated into the show yeah I would, I would think most artists love that opportunity they do Mike my, my experience is that the majority of people in the entertainment industry do look for opportunities and ways to give back. I find that's, that's so seldom covered, uh, you know, in, in the message that gets out there, you know, it's more interesting, I think, to focus on uh, their personal lives or what they're doing, but yeah. a lot of them want the opportunity to give back and are doing that. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, and that's a part of the show, honestly, that, um, we don't really feature in terms of uh, every once in a while in a conversation will come up and it will make the show. But I'm one of these guys that doesn't necessarily, uh, how do I put this, publicize my virtue, so to speak. I love to do things kind of behind the curtain. One of the, I heard a good quote the other day and I was like, God, that's, that's me. And it, it's sort of like life lessons, live your life this way. And it's really just advice. But one of the things that stuck out, stuck out to me was, do something extremely nice for someone and try not to get caught. I love that. I absolutely love that. You know, love that too. yeah, love so, that too. So that, that's a big part of the show. Um, and, and to answer another part of your question is um, about how artists come here and, and the creative process. Um, I have a very eclectic music taste. You know, I have everything from uh, rock and roll here. I just had, um, Skip Martin from lead singer of Cool in the Gang. You know, I was going to ask you about that. Oh, well, yeah, actually, Cool are. in the Gang. He is my boy. On my I, list. I love that guy. <laughs> but at any rate, the way that um, you know these artists, a lot of them, I, I hike every morning. I start my day with a hike in, in the woods and get the you know the solitude and the quietude, and, and, and I have music and, and and good information going in my ears. It's I wish I would have done this a long time ago, but I've made a lot of changes over the last couple of years. And I feel like now at this point in my life, I just turned 50. Um, I really kind of know my place and that feels good. It does feeling like how I'm connected. And I've learned that through communing with nature. Um, it, it's it, There's something to it. Uh, it really is. 
but you know, I put my playlist, which is probably 15,000 songs and, and not, not on my playlist, but in my catalog and all different types. And I just hit shuffle. And, um, um, if something really strikes me, I'm like, yeah, we got to get that person on the show and we reach out and we're getting a lot of yeses. And so my record collection is literally coming to life at my house, which is blowing my mind. It really does. As it's happening in real time, I'm like, I can't believe this is really going down, but it is. Yeah, that's got to be amazing. I, I, I've i always actually been a fan of Cool in the Gang, so I thought that was that was that kind of blew my mind when I saw that, you know, really to have that opportunity had to be pretty exciting. It was, it was very exciting. If, if you have time, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story of how that cool in the gang, uh, how he ended up coming over here. I love a good antidote. Tell this me. Is, this is a good one. It's a pretty good one. And we actually featured this in the episode, uh, an abbreviated version of this. Um, but Ed Roland of Collective Soul asked me to go to South Carolina four or five months ago, right, uh, to go play some golf and, uh, and meet his friend, Mark McGrath. And Mark McGrath is the lead singer of Sugar Ray. He's a host of all kinds of stuff. He's the ultimate hype man, and what a, what a great guy. So I go there with the expectations of, of playing some golf and going to dinner with, with Ed and Mark McGrath. Well, um, we played golf that day, just Ed and I, and then he calls me down. He said, we're going to dinner come down here and I wasn't even ready. So I just went down really fast and meet Mark McGrath and there's a bus waiting on us, so kind of a small bus. And I get on and on the front row is the Sugar Hill Gang. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of, I'm a huge fan of the Sugar Hill Gang. Behind them is the band Loverboy. Behind them is Cheap Trick. All right. Wow. And then you have obviously Ed of Collective Soul and, um, I'm missing someone. It'll come to me. Anyway, there's. It, it'll come to me in, in just a few minutes. We go to dinner with a promoter and, and all of these legends. I'm just like, what is going on here? And so uh, Mark McGrath is getting pretty spirited as he likes to do. And and uh, the, the, the waitress, she's like, I'm, I'm a real big fan. Uh, of your music and he's like you know what song we have so many great songs he was just being funny and so they put it on on the, on the stereo this is a nice restaurant and so they put it on quietly and mark gets up and starts singing his own song well we all start singing along with him right <laughs> and he's like oh my stuff no good turn that off i'm just getting put on some cheap trick and so they put on the cheap trick and music starts getting louder and we start singing i want you to want me with robin zander at the table and then it goes from that, then it goes to Rapper's Delight from Sugar Hill Gang. They just spit the whole entire song right there. Then it goes into Collective Soul, Shine, and, it, and then we end with Skip Martin, who's sitting next to me, with Celebration. At this point, I'm standing on the table, and I record all of this with my phone, by the way. And the restaurant is turned upside down. Everyone is out of their seats, and it just became this insanity scene that I will never forget as long as I live. So I got to hang out with these people and uh, I became friends with Skip. He found out about my show and he's like, I'm coming to do it. And he, and he did. And the Sugar Hill Gang is coming as well. And so they're, they're on the list. Um, so we're, we're excited about it. But that's a pretty cool story, isn't it? Oh, I love this story. Yeah. Well, you know what I was thinking of when you first started telling me? Remember that scene in uh, My Best Friend's Wedding? 
Uh-huh. Uh, uh, I know what you're talking about. You know, we're talking about it. When he, when he started singing the, you know, the song and, and then everybody from the whole restaurant starts joining in. That's what was in my back of my mind. It's like, this is the real life version of that. <laughs> it was uh, like the most surreal thing. I'm like, just even before we ate dinner, I'm sitting and we're like, what is going on here? Like, how am I at this table? Like, with all these legends. And they were all there. They were performing a corporate gig for a big insurance company that paid a lot of money to have these people come in. And, and Mark McGrath was, was the MC and he performed and then he introduces everyone. They come play two or three songs. And, and so it was a two day affair. And so I got to know these guys pretty well. And uh, a couple of them ended up coming to my show. Well, that's amazing. And it sounds like a few more are coming. <laughs> a few more are coming. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed Sugar Hill Gang will be coming uh, soon. There's, they've had a couple health challenges, but things are on the right path there. And uh, I think they'll be here, be here pretty soon, God willing. So let's talk about your record company. Okay. Who are you, what are you excited about that's going on at your record company right now? What are you most excited about? Well, that, that's an easy one. Um, I, I'm most excited about the live records that are coming out from the sessions at Live at the Print Shop. Um, like well, I said- me, Tell me about this. Oh yeah. So um, before I was trying to, to break new artists and it's a very tough task, but um, what's happening now is that this show is taking on a life of its own in terms of the audio piece on its own, right? We have a video and audio obviously on the show, but the audio component is so good that uh, the artists uh, I presented them, I said, how would you like putting this out as a live record? And we've gotten a lot of yeses. So up to this point, we've released um, three or four. Uh, we have quite a few more that are in the queue to come out that we've gotten yeses on, but we've released uh, Angie Apero live at the print shop. If you go to Spotify, any digital platform, you can go and find that. Um, Rehab, uh, the band Rehab live at the print shop has come out. Um, we have, um, who was the last one? Oh, Driving and Crying um, live at the print shop is out. And it, look, uh, coming is Collective Soul live at the print shop. Um, Sean Mullins, who's a dear friend of mine now, who's a, a legend as well. So we have a lot of these live records coming out. And so isn't that ironic that I tried to create, you know, and break unknown artists really unsuccessfully. And now I get to make records with my favorite artists of all time in my basement and release them. It just blows my mind. It really does. I dream. An absolute dream come true, right? I'm living a dream, and and that's the truth. So that it really is something to be very excited about. I mean, is that is that now? Is that an idea that suddenly just came to you one day, yeah. or like when you're sitting around the dinner table and and like your son said, "Hey, you know, it would be cool." Well, no, it was it actually happened on the beach. I'll never forget. I was uh, it was driving and crying, um, did their record, and I was just um, I had it on YouTube or the Bluetooth speaker, and um, there was no video, but I just listened to it, and I listened to the conversation, the whole show that's on YouTube, just the audible piece, and I was like, man, this this really sounds great, and I, and I love the talking in between and, and stuff like that, so I presented it to Driving and Crying. I said, what do you guys think about, you know, releasing a, a, a live record, and they were, they were like, yeah, let's do it. It sounds great. Um, you know, and I always check off with the artists. I want them to be completely happy with this and they're not going to sign off on it unless they are. Um, 
but I do some really nice things for the artists when, when we do in fact release it, you know, I insist on, on, on paying these artists, um, even though they're getting great content and they want to come and do it and they want to enjoy the experience of it all. And, and they have things that they can market themselves with at the end of the day, I insist. And some of these artists that are, that are major artists, they don't, they don't want to accept. And I'm like, well, we'll just give more to the charity because this is, this is my way of, because at the end of the day, I just think it's plain and simple. They deserve it. They do. And a lot of people, um, you know, music is free at the end of the day, if you really want it to be. So again, it's, it's my way of saying, thank you. You worked hard. You deserve this. Do you play any instruments? I don't. No, I don't. Um, I, I dabble with the guitar, but I'm, I'm a novice to say, to say the least, but um, I, I don't play any instruments, you know, um, but I, I can relate to artists in a lot of ways because, you know, I, I'm a dreamer. I'm a self-made guy and, and I've navigated my way through life as an artist, even in business. You know, everything is about what you and I are doing right now. If you can communicate and people want to be around you, they're going to do business with you. And it's, it's really coming from from the heart and I just love the unyielding desire to chase your dreams and that's what that's what musicians do and that's what Adam Blank does and that's probably what you do um you know I, th I think that music has a, a, a somewhat of a unique component to mm -hmm. the other to the uh, comparatively to the other forms of entertainment uh, you know when you compare it to reading a book or watching a movie um, music can truly capture your emotion uh, in a particular moment and hold it forever in a bottle, right? For you, because yeah. we we all have songs that as soon as we hear the first few bars of it, literally put us right back in the moment that we we attach it to. Whether it was a moment yeah. that something happened and you heard it, uh, or it's a moment or song that came out during a certain period of your life. Uh, and it just, it burns right in your brain, right? It captures the moment, every emotion you felt at that moment, and it holds it for you in the song. You'll never be able to hear that song again and not no. be in that moment. And I, for, to me, I think that's what makes music unique uh, among the choices in the entertainment uh, genre. I guess for all, anything, anything you want to do to entertain yourself uh, that's not chore-related, uh, right. I think... <laughs> I think that that's the beauty of music. But I think uh, music makes everything better, doesn't it? You know, if you really oh, do, whether yeah. it's chores, hiking, uh, movies, acting, you know, because the, the best scenes are, and I think this way, when I, when I hear a song, I always think cinematic. I, I think how awesome this could complement a scene or a moment. And you, you put that with with acting or, or cinema or a moment that you have and this just crescendo of awesomeness happens. But music is is the is the force and the energy that truly makes everything better. Oh, how about the suspense, right? In a movie where the guy is lurking around the corner in the yeah. dark and, and the hand's about to come out of nowhere, right? And then you course. have that that suspenseful music. Take the music out and you know, yes. that scene doesn't have the, the impact that it you does. You don't have music. a lot. 
Yeah, it, it is true, you know, and I, I think about this too. And I, I talk about music being pure energy, but imagine this. Um, I'll use myself for an example here. I go on, on Sundays. I try to push myself on hiking. So I'll do up to 20 miles uh, on a Sunday. I'll start really early and I'll wow. go and hike through the, the mountain and the trail over the Kennesaw mountain trail, which is near my house. And, um, when you get tired and, and, and you do go in that long and a song comes on an upbeat song or whatever, it puts fuel right back in your tank. And that's why people listen to music in the gym. They do all this, you get more out and, and that, that makes you know that this is palpable, real energy, just like gases to a car or, or, or batteries, you know, it, it is charging you. It's putting stuff inside of you that you would not have without that music. I don't think I could accomplish what I do without music. It is truly a driving force. Adam, do you have a most memorable moment on your show? I mean, I'm sure they were, they were you know, I understand that you, you love the show and you, you probably have loved most of everything you've done on the show. Uh, but yeah. do you have a moment that is just, this is my most memorable moment. It'll just stay etched in my brain till, you know. Till, till the end. Yeah, I mean, look, there are quite a few of them. You know, I hit on it earlier, but you know, uh, Ed Rowland being a part of my life and being like a brother to me is is definitely one of the things that sticks out the most. But you know, I, I say that when people ask me, so I'll I'll, I'll think of another one. Um, like actually on air, like when you're, you're if you're filming a show, do you have a most memorable moment? You know, it's there's one that sticks out to me. Yeah, there is. There's a few, but one that sticks out to me is when I was talking with Sean Mullins. And Sean really got, um, he got very personal, you know, he did. And I was, I was like, wow, something is, is happening here. And I could tell these are things that, that he doesn't normally talk about. But he, he, he talks about a really traumatic experience that he went through and he opened up, you know, that has to do with, with, um, you know, I don't mind saying it. I think it, uh, a suicide, you know, from from a, a former wife. And um, I, I don't think they were married at the time. I really don't know. But at any rate, you know, saying that and like hearing him, those words and, and, and like understanding that's where we were. That's a level that we were on at that point. And he said something to me that was really profound. And he says, you know, isn't it, isn't it, sad and it's interesting that a lot of us have to go through some really really heavy stuff in order to find our bliss and you know not that he was uh you know happy about that moment at all but his point was is a lot he was he was in a happy place but it took him a lot long time to really get through that and i could relate i've been through some really tough times myself just didn't treat myself the way that i should have um was abusive on a lot of levels and i you know i've been been uh, cleaned up for for a few years now and i can relate to that because um you know it's those tough times and this was his point as tough as they may seem at that point they are going to become assets at some point you know you never in a million years could think your lowest point could really become an asset but it just takes time time and knowledge. And if you're willing to share those experiences with people, as he did with me, um, then you can help people with those assets. You know, as it, it, bad and as dark as things got for, for me personally, even, I'm very forthcoming 
um, with people about that and if they want to. And it, it, it really helps. It really helps just being completely honest and stuff, but recognizing that, Hey, this is tough times right now, but you're going to get through it. And at some point, this is going to help someone else. I get it. Yeah. 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 Um, so. so talk to me a little bit about your, your, uh, you're on the board, I believe the Georgia council of the arts for the arts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's, that's another thing that kind of blew my mind uh, with this project, but uh, I, I've worked with a lot of Georgia artists since I'm a Georgia guy, you know, Sean Mullins, uh, Rehab, uh, Driving and Crying, uh, David Ryan Harris, uh, Collective Soul, Michelle Malone, who's awesome, one of my favorites. Um, I'm probably missing a few of the Georgia artists, but quite a few. And uh, somehow got to the governor's office in the state of Georgia. And they recognized um, what I was doing and, and they, uh, they, they applauded it and asked me to take a seat on the Georgia Council for the Arts. Um, and it all happened through this project, which, again, blew my mind. <laughs> but I actually went down to, to the Capitol with my family and, uh, and took an oath and got sworn in. And uh, for a guy like me, I felt like I was going to court, like I was in trouble or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a unique experience to say the least, and so now I'm on this council, and and I get to uh, to try to push the needle in the right direction as far as Georgia arts are concerned, and um, you know I have a I have a couple lofty goals that that I'm going to try to get accomplished through this. Yeah, that was my next question for you. What do you, what are you hoping to accomplish? What changes are you, you hoping to see happen in Georgia? Well, I'll I'll tell you one. Um, the Georgia Council for the Arts, they're involved also with um, with the Georgia Music Hall of Fame, um, kind of gathering information, making selections and things of that nature. And so I, I was excited just because my mind automatically goes to music. You know, I, I love other art forms as well, but I was excited about working with the Georgia Music Hall of Fame and, and you know, um, and then I found out when uh, when I got in that the Georgia Music Hall of Fame is is in a closet now, and I think it closed down in two thousand and I think eleven, twelve, thirteen, somewhere in there. It's been quite a while, and I was like, "Isn't that a shame that Otis Redding stuff is is not displayed? Little Richard, um, you know, all of these legends that have come out of, of Georgia. Georgia is very rich music history, and." Um, it was in Macon, Georgia, and, and kind of fell through um, for lack of attendance and things of that nature. So my goal is to to find a new hall for the Georgia Music Hall of Fame and to open the doors back up someday. Yeah. So I am I I'm quiet. That. I'm quietly working on it, um, and um, I I feel like I'm going to get it done. I feel like I'm going to get it done, and. Look, it's an opportunity to really leave a, a legacy. It's it's a lofty goal for sure. Uh, but I have some really good ideas and I have some really great people that are very supportive of this idea. And uh, what an opportunity it is to, to, to try to get something very difficult done. So I'm up for the task. So. I agree. And I wish you luck with that. Wow. Thank you. So tell, tell my audience what uh, where they can find you. Um, well, we are on YouTube. Um, it's a it's a YouTube show. It's a I describe it as a interview uh, concert series on YouTube, uh, live at the print shop, uh, live at the print shop dot com. 
um, is our website and you can, you know, you can harvest any of the material from there and just click on it and, 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 and watch. Um, there's another, uh, we had sort of a, a partnership that we just did with a company called Hi-Fi and Hi-Fi is, uh, see if I can describe this properly. It is um, sort of like your go-to for live music. Um, so what they do is aggregate different music channels and stuff. So they came to us and they liked what we were doing. They said, we'd love to, to feature you and distribute your show through our channel. So um, you can go to Hi-Fi and, and see uh, a few of the episodes on there. And actually they're, uh, they're gonna be putting our back catalog on there as well. Uh, it just takes a lot of time. I think we're, we're close to 30 episodes that we have out right now and, and have quite a few more uh, coming up. Uh, I've shot maybe four or five that we're editing now. Um, some exciting ones that are coming out pretty soon. Well, I'll put the link uh, in below the video. Adam, yeah. thank you so much for coming today and to talking to me. Yeah, it, it was a pleasure. And, and uh, congratulations on your show. I really enjoy it. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, and thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, I hope you'll come back again as you continue <laughs> to develop and do new things and tell me about what exciting projects you're up to. Absolutely. Blues Traveler's coming out soon, and that, that's a dream come true. So make sure you guys tune in. I think we're releasing it next month. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'll be watching that. <laughs> All right. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.